Hello, and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace. I'm Simone de Rochefort. I'm a senior video producer at Polygon.com. And I'm here today, as usual, with Christina Warren. I almost called you Christina Wu. What's wrong with me? Christina Warren, <laughs> senior cloud advocate at Microsoft, Brianna Wu, Democratic candidate for Congress, and Lori Siegel, founder of Dot 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 Media, formerly of CNN. Hello. Welcome to the show. Hi. I'm so happy to be with you guys. Thanks for having me. We Thank are you. so I, excited. We had so much trouble scheduling this. I'm sorry. <laughs> We've had so many guests on this show, and I've never had a series of comical errors as much. So... Thank you for bearing what with us. What comical errors like my grandmother dying? <laughs> no, it was just it was a it was it was a, it was complex. I will say. Well, that. Everyone should here. also know yes. organization is also not my strong suit, so we should start <laughs> but, with that. But it was so, me. And, it was my fault, not yours. So, well, I oh feel like gosh. it could also be mine. So I'll, I'll also take credit for it as well. So I'm just happy to be here. That's why you're oh, a feminist so hero you because you're pushing back against the stereotypes of women being organized. <laughs> now let's exactly. stop dunking on Lori. Lori is our guest and she's really cool and smart and she does great interviews. So Lori, tell us about dot 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 and what you are doing. Sure. Um so I I was at CNN as you guys mentioned for 10 years which as as you ladies know being tech folks in tech years that's like um Ooh, that's a that's good amount of Yeah, that's like yeah, that's that's a, a good amount of time. Um and I decided after 10 years I wanted to launch a media company looking at tech through what I thought was um, an important lens, which was like the human lens. So looking at issues like mental health and love and sex and ethics and unintended consequences. So all, I would say, kind of the the sexy stuff, but I think the important stuff. Um, so we are doing docuseries and films and books and, and podcasts and all sorts of stuff. So I left, God, I, I mean, this is so weird because I left literally this time last year and we launched uh, a couple of months ago. And oh my so, God. Um, yeah. And, and so it's, it's really cool to begin to put our stuff out there. I, uh, I love doing, I, I like to say it's like the corner stories. It's like the edge, the edge stories the stuff we're not talking about yet that I think we should be talking about. And then, you know, talking to the founders that, you know, we, we hear from all the time, but trying to do it in a, in a bit of a different way. So that's always kind of been my MO, but doing it outside of, the, the traditional box, having been on TV for a very long time. So saying, talking about the edge cases, uh, I just want to dwell on that a little more because some of the interviews that are on your site right now are so interesting and <laughs> things I haven't seen, topics I haven't seen before. Like you had one with Shane Mack, who was building a a text bot for dating apps, basically to like send all the good replies and set up that date for you, like lock that in right. so you can be a human. <laughs> And then uh, a person named S. Lee, who was, again, using AI to recognize patterns in text conversation that humans might miss, uh, which I found fascinating because one of the examples he was talking about was about uh, how to tell if a person has a crush on you, um, which is a huge source of anxiety <laughs> for anyone who has ever texted <laughs> with their crush. Like, what are they actually saying? What are they thinking about me? Like when... Mm -hmm. A, a bot can use pattern recognition to be like, ah, these words, these words have been used and these patterns are, these patterns right. correspond with someone having, a, so they actually like you, dumbass. Um, <laughs> <laughs> how do you find these people, I guess is my question. I mean, honestly, it's like dinner table conversations in Silicon Valley. It's like things people say in passing. It's like, 
you know, it's, it's, I, I love to call them, I always call them like the corner stories, right? Um, you know, I, I, one of my favorite stories I, I did on like a woman who brought her uh, dead friend back to life using AI back in the day was like, she literally used all his text messages and data and created a bot out of him because she missed him. Um, I got that story. I remember from like a bunch of people talking around a dinner table and Shane, I, I mean, I had heard <laughs> I had heard about him. Like, first of all, I think uh, so many people are in the dating apps and, and we're having one conversation, which is, you know, people stop actually responding. I don't know if you guys are on the dating apps, but like the problem is like there's so many options and people just don't respond to each other. And I think the, the conversation I started hearing uh, talking to folks in Silicon Valley is like, oh, I know some engineers who are working on bots to to actually respond. And my first response was like, that's horrible. You know, like, really, like, we're going to actually like uh, take out the humanity even more. And and for me, it's always like, I always try to go into this in a, a non-judgmental way, or at least check my judgment a little bit. And so I was like, first of all, I've got to find someone who will talk to me. So it's like, and, you know, as journalists, you kind of like, you know, this, you know, you start talking to so-and-so who knows so-and-so and just like, mm -hmm. talk to me off the record. Like, and I, and I found, um, and I found out that Shane was doing this and he had built this, like this, uh, this product, this, uh, you know, this bot, and it's not even a very smart bot, but he's like, he's built bots his whole career, uh, to go on the dating apps and just had these, he called a keyboard. And it was like these pre-programmed responses to, you know, to answer women on the dating apps. And, and he, and his whole thing was like, you know, the idea is to help me get offline and have these conversations. And so I tried to go into it. I mean, by the way, I'm the first to say like, I was so judgmental going in. I was just like <laughs> horrified by this whole thing. But, and ethically, I was really mixed on it. I was like, I'm not even sure if this is really okay for someone to do this. Um, but I'm, I'm the kind of person, and I've always been like this, I think, as a journalist. And I had a show at CNN called Mostly Human, where we looked at all these really ethical issues in tech, which is like, I'm a big believer that if the tech is coming, and I believe this type of technology is coming, especially when it comes, we've seen bots and when it comes to businesses, but I think we will see these more consumer facing bots, um, that we have to talk about it. Cause if we don't mm -hmm. talk about it, we can't participate in these conversations about the ethics of it and the transparency of it. And so, um, I had Shane, like, uh, sorry, I had Shane install keyboard on my phone for yeah. the dating apps. <laughs> uh, so I used it um, <laughs> and like, it was super weird. Like well, I he did says it. he doesn't want to release it, right? He made it and he's like, no, this is too powerful. Yeah. Well, I, I know, by the way, I know he was like, but was you like, have it. Was, <laughs> right, I know, I know, but I can't even believe I just like admitted that um, with you guys. So I had it um, and I, and I tried to use it. Uh, I used it once. And by the way, I can't even believe a guy responded, um, to the, the, it was so, I mean, it was pre-programmed responses. Um, it was, and my bot was so stupid. I would, I would have never responded to me using these pre-programmed responses, but it was so crazy because within like five clicks, like it had set up a date. And so I felt really guilty about it. Um, and I said to the guy, um, Hey, I want to let you know, I mean, this is all super weird. Oh, I said to the guy, like, um, I want to let you know that this, that this was a pre-programmed bot and that I'm working on. <gasps> oh a my story. God. I oh, man. What did he say? It was like DEF CON five. I mean, I don't oh, wow. like, he like, first of all, I think we pretty much got out of the way that he had some anger issues. Um, <laughs> the bot okay, didn't pick up no. on that one. 
<laughs> yes. Yeah, so he was super upset. But by the way, I kind of understood it. Like, because the bot said, the one, okay, this is super weird. I, I, I hate that I've like delved really deep into this one with you guys, because we also, there's like some real smart, smart questions in here. And I'm going to, I want to get to them, but like, um, you know, I, the bot asks questions, like, tell me something not a lot of people would know about you. So imagine you're answering this and oh. then you find out the, uh, oh, it's no. a, um, it's a machine. And so this actually goes into a, a really interesting question that I think we should be asking ourselves when it comes to the future of humans in tech, which is like, do we have the right to know as machines get more human, if it's human, a human or a machine. Mm. And so he was really upset about it. Um, and he blocked me. <laughs> Oh, um, fair. No, I mean, he, his anger issues aside, I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. I, and I, I'd, I'd be pretty upset. <laughs> but I would be upset too. And that's why I immediately said something to him. Um, and so it actually goes into this, that visceral reaction um, really made a lot of sense, I think to, to a degree. And I, and I think said something, you know, and I, I talked to Shane about it and he's like, well, I think you have to have more transparency. But he also said, I think that in the future, we'll just have AI bots to date for us. And, and this is, this is kind of coming down the pipeline, so we should talk about it. So I love delving into these issues. Like, and, and, and I think part of uh, sometimes what I struggled with in television is like, you can't really talk about these issues in two-minute sound bites, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, on, on the morning show in, in, in two minutes, right? Like a lot, of these, uh, a lot of these conversations around the future of tech, especially when it comes to something as personal uh, as, as us, like they, they're for docu-series or podcasts or these types of conversations. And, and I, I like talking about them in, in this type of way. So that, that was certainly one of an interesting, well, I think part. this is why I wanted to have you on. Um, you know, we get probably five or six stupid pitches a day. I'm sure you know the same feeling. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but this is, this is how I feel about like how tech coverage has, uh, been marching along. Harry McCracken, a friend of mine, he, he regularly posts uh, stuff to Twitter about about his early work on, I think, his PC magazine, looking at how we covered technology back in the in the '90s, and it was very much that thing Mac people criticize tech industry for, like checkmark journalism. This program yeah. has X feature, this has that, and then it moved along a bit. And you know, Simone, I remember when The Verge launched, yeah. and people don't understand just how groundbreaking The Verge was at the time. It was the first site. I think that really took photography and video reviews of tech project products and really, really polished it with high production values. Before that, if you went to Macworld and looked at like a, a review of a new iMac, it would just be someone in the office taking a picture of the machine. So, so that came along and I felt like it did a very good job of putting, putting a more um, publicly accessible face on it. And what I'm excited about with your startup is I feel like we, we've gone beyond, you know, these are the tech stories for the day. This is what the FEC is doing. I think there's an entire audience out there that just wants to, they want that emotional story. They want that emotional bottom line. How is this affecting me? How do I need to feel about this? I, I just think there is a, a host of stories our industry isn't telling, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, and I appreciate that. Look, I, I think for me, I was kind of craving it um, because I my, look, my last year at CNN, I, I interviewed everyone from Zuckerberg to Tim Cook to, to mm-hmm. Dara from Uber, all of these people. Um, 
And I, I think the one thing I struggled with is, is um, so many of the issues that, that we're facing now with tech are so human. Um, and so many of them impact us and, and our mental health. And when we talk about love and we talk about addiction and, and, you know, tech is kind of like another layer of our skin right now. Mm. And there's so many interesting nuanced things that we can dig into and, and it impacts us on a really emotional level. And like, how do we tell those stories? Um, and I've always kind of viewed myself as a bit of like a translator, for Silicon Valley. And I think Silicon Valley totally needs a bit of a translator, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, and, and how do you tell these stories in really human ways? And, and I've always loved doing that. And, and I'm, I just think tech coverage has gotten so, I mean, so much of it is really interesting, but it is like, especially, and this isn't just tech coverage. I mean, maybe it's also like, um, this moment in media and because of, uh, because of tech platforms too, everything feels very black and white and, yeah. you know, salvation or damnation and like, you know, and, and we've lost like nuance. And, and if there's any, if there's anything we really need, I think when it comes to covering some of these issues, like are these things good or bad and what is, how is it going to impact our heads and our hearts? Like we got to have a lot of, I think, nuance in covering these things. Like even this bot dating story, like it'd be so easy to go to it and be like, this is the worst thing in the world. But when you start peeling back all these layers about like, well, we've stopped answering each other and people have trouble communicating and all these things and, and machines are getting more human. And when you start really digging into all the layers behind it and there's transparency and there's ethics, you know, there's so many uh, ways that we can actually participate in these conversations that are a little bit smarter than just this is evil, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because my last, um, you know, year or so covering um, uh, tech, I, I kind of noticed some of the same things. I, I think that what you're talking about, where we spent a period of time, a number of years, where everything was super, super positive, and then it seems like there was like this shift to the complete opposite side, where like everything is evil, mm -hmm. and you know, to be clear, I think that the, the big tech, uh, small tech, tech in general, industry in general deserves, uh, scrutiny and, and criticism mm -hmm. and critique. Uh, but, it, but it, it is interesting how like that sort of shifted. I wanted to get kind of from your perspective, what do you think, um, is missing? I mean, you talked about that a little bit, but like when, when we don't have that nuance, what types of stories do you think are maybe not, um, or, or maybe not stories, I guess what I'm, Put put a, put a marker, Simone, because I'm jet lagged. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm 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 doing this from Australia. When you think about the sort of stories that you're you're going to be able to tell now, when we don't have that nuance, if you could be, what type of things do you think do people miss out on? Like not just the stories themselves, but like the perspective and maybe the important things that we we miss when we either go black and white, either this is amazing or this is terrible. I think, I mean, it's a good question. I actually think it's like, it's participating in the conversation about it, right? Like, um, uh, another, one of the, one of the examples, um, that was brought up earlier is like this idea of like, could AI sit on top of our conversations and let us know if someone likes us or not? I mean, that's technology that's being developed. Um, and it sure could do that. Um, I mean, there's a lot of privacy issues there. Um, do we want it to do that? And, and what is the role uh, in artificial intelligence being able to pick up on the nuances of if we're having a bad day or if something really bad is going to happen? And let's kind of delve into predictive data analytics and, and you know, could technology predict um, if something really bad is going to happen to us and how do we kind of take power back and in, in this capacity? I mean, there's so many really interesting things happening that we haven't even really touched in a consumer-facing way because we're so 
um, we're still having a one dimensional conversation, if that makes sense. I, I think, I, I mean, and by the way, I am with you. Like, I really think that, um, big tech deserves scrutiny. And like, you're sitting, uh, you're talking to someone who interviewed Zuckerberg during like Cambridge yes. Analytica and one of the most pivotal moments I would say in like tech history. Like I, I think Facebook, Google, Twitter, all these companies deserve scrutiny a hundred percent. But like, I, I also think some of the more interesting nuanced issues and how we cover them and how we tell these stories and how we allow people to participate in them, uh, there's a really big opportunity for it. I, I remember um, I remember when I was leaving CNN and it was really hard for me, truthfully, because uh, anyone who's left a job, I think, can probably relate to this. Like mm-hmm. your job to a degree, if you've been there for a long time, feels like an identity. Um, yeah. Totally. And, and like walking out the door, it's like shedding an identity, right? Like, Absolutely. I remember, um, I remember leaving and saying to Jeff Zucker, it's like the president of CNN. I remember, um, being like, Je- like, I, I wish I had been more graceful about it. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know if I should like say the story, but like, I was like, I was leaving and I was, um, I was talking about, I was, you know, saying, okay, like I've, I've got to leave. And I, and I was, I started referencing a YouTube video of like a rabbi talking about how lobsters grow. Oh. Um, and like, and I was like, Jeff, like when lobsters grow, they have to completely shed their shell and like, you know, completely shed, you know, that's the only way they get bigger is to like completely shed their shell and their yeah. identity. And, you know, and that's the only way, and it's really stressful, but it's the only way um, that they get bigger. And, and the amount of growth that's happened in the last year has been extraordinary. But I remember saying to Jeff, like, um, and I, and I really believe this as someone who's covered, I, I, I covered startups. I was like, and, you know, Christina, you can relate to this. You've been, all of you guys have been in this for so long. Like I was like, I was in man, like yeah, 2009, totally. like I was mm-hmm. like, I paid my way to South by Southwest. I shared a double yep. bed with my friend who was a photojournalist. And like, I was a production assistant pretending to be a producer and putting people like Ev Williams, the founder Hell of Twitter yeah. like, on camera, like, because I believed, and I still believe technology is going to like transform the world, but then it did. Right. And things right. got really, really complicated. And like, we had to talk about it and, and we have to. And, and so I think for me, it was like having seen that decade and been a part of this, like this roller coaster. And I think a lot of people, um, who have been a part of this, this ride over the last decade, who didn't just get into it like two or three years ago when right. it was, when it became time to just talk about how bad it was. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think there's a larger conversation to be had around it. And I remember saying to Jeff in his office, as I was, you know, wanting to leave, uh, and do this, cause I'd been stewing on it for two years. This isn't something I just like decided to totally. do. Um, I remember saying like, you know, Jeff, like, I really think the next big thing in tech, and I've always been good at seeing what's next. I helped create our startup beat at, at CNN. Like, um, the next big thing in tech is humanity. Like we gotta, we gotta get this right. And we, we gotta start covering it in a much more human way. Um, you know, how do you, how do you do this? Because I mean, look at your Zuckerberg interview. I thought that was, I thought it was powerful in the sense that you're, you're right. You did talk to him at one of the most important moments in American tech history. And you captured that moment. It's maybe this is just my own personal failing, but sometimes when I think about big tech and the need to scrutinize it, I will admit I'm probably part of the problem. I'm angry. 
about some of the excesses. Uh, Our second topic today is uh, Equifax and the Mm -hmm. fact that uh, four Chinese, uh, you know, members of the military have been uh, indicted by our Justice Department for involvement in that hack. How do you balance, like, the – it's such a tough rope. How do you balance the need to look at these issues through human – lens, Mm -hmm. but also hold people accountable? Or do you see that as your job? Like, how do you walk that line? I think it's, I think it's both, right? I think it's, it's a hundred percent both, right? I have, um, uh, it's funny if you were to come to our office now, um, there's like all sorts of like crazy, um, like crazy pieces of paper that are (laughs) stapled to the wall or like taped (laughs) to the wall and like a, in a way that's probably pretty scary uh like the scene from it's always sunny in philadelphia when charlie's in the (laughs) mailroom that kind of thing yeah totally and it's like it's like it it has you know there's something that says the billionaires in the corner stories um and it also says like be weird it has like all sorts of things um you know like if it's like be lori be very just be weird like empathy all these things but but it says the billionaires in the corner stories right because i think that um you know this doesn't mean that i don't want to sit in front of those people like i don't want to walk away from those people like those people are very important to talk to and hold accountable and um but i also think you know i i think that we can have different conversations with those mm-hmm. people and also um you know for me i've known a lot of those people before they were quote those people and right. and so I feel a responsibility to, to to use my seat at the table to ask them uh, questions even beyond what's the day of news question, right? So like if we're talking to to Zuckerberg, like yes, we should we should challenge him on all the day of stuff, right? Like what what's happening with political ads and micro targeting, what what's beyond this? But but you know what I also want to know is like if you look at his um, if if you look at he stopped doing his New Year's resolutions and he's looking towards like 2030 or whatever year he said he's looking towards. You know, every year Mark Zuckerberg does. Um, for, for those folks who don't know every year. Um, and I say for those folks who don't know, I've like followed this company very closely. So I'm like, (laughs) like every year he does like a a new year's resolution. He posts on Facebook. So it's everything from like learn Mandarin to like, um, I think one year it was like, hunt his own meat or something. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? That, 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 that was well, when he wanted to only eat everything that he hunted. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank That's you. Yeah, thank dope. You. I, kinda, so I that. like that. So, so this year it was different. And this year it was like, um, you know, he's decided not to do that anymore. And, uh, and that was, I think that was kind of a, a big deal in his world. And, and now he's decided that no more new year's resolutions, like let's look to 2030 and here's the big goals for Facebook. And, and so, uh, a goal was, you know, really focus on augmented reality, which is the future. And so a question from Mark Zuckerberg is someone who's, you know, covered the company for a long time and isn't just into the day of news, is into the day of news, but is also looking towards the future. It's like, let's start challenging our leaders about the the unintended consequences of the future too. Like who do they have at the decision-making table for the unintended consequences of the augmented world and who's doing regulation around that? Or they say that the augment, augmented reality is going to be the, the solution, I think, to a degree to this idea that we're all more lonely, even though they promised to connect us, we're all kind of more lonely and disconnected. Well, augmented reality, a lot of tech founders are saying is going to help bring us out, right? It's going to help make us more connected. Well, there's going to be a whole other slew of unintended consequences in the augmented space. Like, why don't we start asking about those? I I think it's also about being creative and, and challenging people in different ways too. So like, I certainly don't think, um, we step away from asking these hard questions. I think, I think if anything, like we just, we, 
become better equipped to ask about the unintended consequences. That's something I feel very strongly about. Um, and then I think we also need to pay attention to the corners. Like my, my whole thing is like when everyone's looking at one thing and now everyone is looking at tech, like let's just mm -hmm. make sure we still remember to look at in the corners, like at the things that people aren't looking at, because like that's, you know, the edges always become the center, you know, and I think that's always, we, we got to remember that. Hmm. What are some of the ways that I guess you remind yourself? Okay, I, I'm the negative Nancy on this podcast, I think. Um, uh -huh. I'm the one who's like, uh, everything is bad and we should turn off the internet. And oh no, I'm so scared and sad all the time. Um, what are some of the ways that you remind yourself to stay in that balanced and um, I guess considerate space when you're approaching stories? Oh my God. I feel like I'm negative Nancy too. I feel like I've sounded very optimistic for this podcast. Like, you I, have. like I'm like, wow, I, I need to have some way, like, of what how she's do I, having. How do, like, how do I stay, like, how do I stay balanced in, in telling some of these stories? I think we always have to look at them from all sides, but like, you know, I don't start with like a, a positive view on anything. Like I, I think, um, you know, I think I come at these with like, with, uh, we always have like a lot of debates in the, in our, in our office over like, what, what is like, what, how will all of these things be negative <laughs> be used for, for bad? <laughs> like, that's the thing is that there's so, there's so many things that when we don't consider them before we put them out into the world can yeah. become bad because they're out of our hands now. Totally. And then I also like to think creatively. I'll, I'll tell you like um, a quick story. I was um, one and something I'm working on now, like I, I can't get into too many details about it, but I also love to like um, to think about things through a very different lens. Like I think right now we're all thinking about how we can be targeted and ads and uh, and everything that the world, like everything that everyone knows about us. Like I think this, there's no doubt whether it was like everything that came out with Cambridge Analytica, but just in general with targeting and like how much like privacy is dead. Like I remember, um, years ago at CNN, I was interviewing a guy who does, uh, predictive data analytics to determine, uh, if like something really bad is going to happen, like a suicide bombing or mm -hmm. just something terrible. It's so not to be negative Nancy on you. Yeah, um, totally. But, and, and I remember in the middle of the interview, he was like, and, and by the way, I think like, this guy, we should have never put him on camera. Like he was so <laughs> like, I should not say this, but like he was, um, I, you know, every so often we just like put someone on camera and, and he, we vetted him and that he was like, he had a very good track record of predicting bad things, but he just like, he, he was kind of like an algorithm. He was very neutral. Um, he had no filter. And he, in the middle of the interview, he was like, I analyzed all your data. I was like, what? oh no. Oh, God. I know. And dude, and his co founder was like, stop talking. I was like, no, of course it's me. So I'm like egging him on. I'm like, no, 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 keep talking. Uh, and, and he was like, uh, and he was like, yeah, I analyzed everything you said on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and everything you've posted publicly for the last eight years of your life. I was like, oh, what'd you find? Like, and he was like, you know, used his algorithms or whatever. And he was like, you're unhappy in your relationship and you're growing oh unhappy God. at your job. <laughs> I, was like, I know. And I was like, oh my God, this is like a little modern. It's like a little tarot card reading, but it was also like, he, he does predictive data analytics for a living. Right. right? Oh, um, he got and, you. Oh boy. I mean, by the way, right? both of, I mean, I, like not to be too personal, but a thousand percent, I can, I feel better saying that. Cause like, I'm not in that relationship anymore. <laughs> um, 
Like, and, and so as you guys know, since you know that I have used a, uh, a bot on a dating app uh, <laughs> and you started a new business. So, you and know, <laughs> started a new business. So I think like the, the, the dot, dot, dot. so, you know, um, so it was kind of crazy. And I was like, and, and I, I, by the way, it was very jarring and it was probably one of the most violating experiences I had as a tech reporter. And I've mm. had some kind of violating ones. Um, oh. and I remember when I left, I called him and I was like, how did you, um, how did you do that? And he was like, everything you post, every word you say, the time of day you tweet, the types of words you use, like everything like creates this whole picture of like what we're not saying, like what's behind, beyond the filter. So like, I think that like, and that's something we're working on too. Like what if we could like, in some capacity use, um, sort of throw it out there, like use the same things that are being used to target us, like to be able to understand more about ourselves. Right. Yeah. You know, like astrology for a new age. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, there's like facial recognition now to determine. And, and by the way, all of this could go either way. Right. So facial recognition Mm -hmm. to determine if we're falling into depression, right. That could also be used against you and in many ways. Right. So all of these things like are, could be used for good or bad. It's just how we look at them. And and it's really interesting. And I love doing storytelling around that and helping people look at it in a really kind of interesting human way, as opposed to just saying this is good or bad. It's like, well, why don't we just do, and and sometimes I put myself in these stories and sometimes whatever, but I, I just think it's cool to like, to bring people into those conversations about data or targeting or predictive data analytics, but just do it in a way that's really approachable. And, yeah. and I think that's how I, I want to try to approach some of this stuff. Makes a lot of sense. How'd you come up with that dot, dot, dot? Final question. How did oh, you name God. your company? Uh, I, uh, I was once told by someone uh, that I was the human equivalent of dot, dot, dot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that I'm like, and I, that I'm always thinking and analyzing and, you know, like you, when you're waiting for someone to text you back or when you're texting someone, it's like dot, dot, dot. Um, yeah. And it's horrible. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and I actually think that's very much this moment in tech, right? We're just like kind of yeah. waiting to see how this whole thing plays oh out. Oh my God. Um, yeah. And so I, and so it kind of stuck. I was like, I, I was, and, and when everyone, when I left CNN, everyone's like, well, what are you doing? I was like, it's kind of dot, dot, dot. Um, <laughs> and, and then it just stuck. I was like, this is very dot, dot, dot. And I think this really represents this moment in tech right now. It's, it's pretty dot, dot, dot. So. That's a really that. good metaphor. That's awesome. Yeah. Can you yeah. tell people where they can find a, tell, tell them where they find your website. B, where can they yeah. find you online? Sure. Um, well, I am at Lori Siegel on Twitter and Instagram. Um, and then also they should, they can download the podcast too. It's first contact. Um, uh, oh my God. Yes. The, sorry. The, mm, I, we don't have time to talk about it, but your interview with, uh, Yael. Oh my gosh. I totally just forgot her last oh, name. Yeah. Eisenstadt. Eisenstadt. Yeah. That was yeah. Uh, mm, juicy. Good details. <laughs> Go listen to the podcast. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she was CIA. She was CIA for a decade, over a decade. And then Facebook for six months. So that was very dot, dot, dot. Um, and then you can go to our <laughs> website. It's dot, 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 media.com. God, that's a lot of dot. They told me that was going to be terrible to, to say. So dot, 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 media.com. D-O-T, 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 media. Yeah, that's the first thing we're putting out there. We'll put out shows and all sorts of stuff in the future. So we're, thank you guys for having me on. I, I so appreciate it. Oh, we're honored. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much, Lori. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much to Lori Siegel for coming on the show. Now I should tell you that this episode of Rocket is brought to you by Squarespace. Woo! Make your next move with Squarespace. Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea with a unique domain, award-winning templates, and more. 
Maybe you want to create an online store, or maybe you want to create a portfolio or a blog. Well, Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that lets you do just that. There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, and no upgrades needed. You don't gotta worry about it. Squarespace has it covered. They have award-winning 24-7 customer support if you need any help, and they let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name. Plus, all of their award-winning templates are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. Now, Brianna Wu, you recently said on Twitter that if you could have any celebrity voice, it would be mine. So... (laughs) I want yes, you that's to the like official stand. That's the official uh, standing of my campaign. That's my official position. Okay. Would you mind like practicing and adding a little like personal color in this part? Like, what would I say about my feelings what would about Squarespace? I, say, I would say when I'm making that doesn't sound like my voice. Awesome, stop. Stop. Oh, You're I Simone not, de Rochefort. I could not imitate you. Human oh mouths God. can't make those sounds, Simone. So. <laughs> 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 Fair enough. Fair enough. I guess you could just say your piece as yourself. I could, I will say it as myself. Uh, yeah, Squarespace is freaking awesome. I've used them. Uh, you know, easy to use templates. Uh, they're reliable. I don't think I've ever had a Squarespace site go down ever. Uh, as far as the integration with credit cards, it's dead simple. Uh, in my favorite features, they've got Getty images built into it. You don't want to be one of those people that just steals work from photographers online. You want to pay people for their work and it will let you license it in the browser at very reasonable prices. I love that. Well, speaking of reasonable prices, Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month, but you can start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com slash rocket. And then when you decide to sign up, use the offer code ROCKET to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain and show your support for ROCKET. Once again, that's squarespace.com slash ROCKET and the code ROCKET to get 10% off your first purchase. Thank you so much, Squarespace, for your support of this show and all of Relay FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. <laughs> As the famous jingle goes that we all know so well. All right, our second topic of the day. Remember, this one's upbeat. I like this one. This yeah, is a it's happy so much topic. Fun. It's like yeah. a kind of a vintage thing. So like, <laughs> remember 2017? Do you remember like the fashions and the times of 2017? Vaguely. Okay. Yeah. It well, was nine billion years it was ago in Trump. Nine years. billion years. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I know we were all just kids in 2017. Actually, yes, we were the last time we were kids was 2015. Um, <laughs> this or is true. Maybe during the 2016 Democratic primary. But <laughs> 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 the big thing that happened to all of us in 2017 was the Equifax hack. Do you guys remember this? Oh yeah. You mean when like. Uh, all of my personal identifying information and my social security number and all of my credit history and everything was like leaked. And, uh, you and, and 147 million other Americans, baby. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, so exciting. Really good times. I, I, I love having my identity stolen. It's so good. It's the, really the thing that brings us together as a country. And I think we all need to kind of get that spirit back in us but anyway the bigger news <laughs> the shared sacrifice of identity theft it, it targets it really republicans is. Yeah. it targets democrats it's, it's something we all the hate. great yes. unifier there is the equifax <laughs> hack and then dolly parton in that order <laughs> <laughs> i kind of do want to talk a little bit about like 
our feelings now on the Equifax hack, but the story that's happening now more currently is that the U.S. has charged four Chinese military officers uh, as being responsible with this cyber attack. Uh, This was reported by the New York Times and it's been picked up by BBC. Um, This is obviously not a case where like they've been taken into custody and will be charged and put on trial. That's not something that's ever going to happen. But they are saying that um, they spent time uh, like hacking Equifax and messing around, not messing around with this data, but uh, taking, stealing, stealing trade secrets, including data compilation and database designs. That's my summary. Awesome. Add some more context for me, baby. What do you think about it? I mean, uh, this is all terrible. Uh, It's, it's, I guess it's good sort of that we kind of know who was responsible, but there is nothing that we can do about this. So that feels sort of equally terrible. I don't know. Uh, I, I, I don't really also just disclosure again, just as I said earlier, I'm, I don't know what day it is. I'm severely jet lagged. Uh, but, but when I think about this, I mean, I just, I, I just get so angry, uh, mostly because, this was so preventable if yeah. basic security practices and update procedures had been followed. Uh, so that really bothers me, but uh, it, it's also doesn't really, I mean, that's neither here nor there. This is, this has happened. Um, I mean, it's, it's interesting that we have insight into who is responsible, but I, I don't know if that really makes me feel any better. What about, what about you guys? It doesn't make me feel better at all. <laughs> well, uh, so these are, <sighs> These are my my feelings on this. Um, you know, Rocket's not a political show, but today as we're recording this, um, you basically had a bunch of members of uh, a, a, a prosecutorial team around one of the high-profile uh, prosecutions regarding uh, Trump associates uh, today basically resign from the Justice Department because it certainly seems that the William Barr, uh, who's our attorney general, stepped in, put his finger on the scale, and uh, mm-hmm. pushed for lighter sentencing. Um, yep. So that happened today. And I I think there is a, I think there's a reasonable question with this attorney general. It doesn't give me pleasure to say this, but I think there's a reasonable question of, is Andrew Barr, is this Justice Department credible? Uh, I think it's worth taking a step back, looking at the Huawei thing. It ends up there was quite a bit of evidence there, but it was shaky for a while. And I think it's reasonable for people to have questions about this. Right now, all we know is that they, um, they've, it's been indicted, correct? It's been uh, right. four members of the Chinese military have been indicted. Mm-hmm. The indictment is not a prosecution. It's not a guilty verdict in court. And I think considering the credibility of of William Barr, I would want to see more evidence before I said case closed, this is a done deal. That said, um, you know, this is a, I am of the opinion that uh, cyber attacks of this scale, particularly conducted by, you know, hostile foreign powers, I think they're an act of war. And uh, I think it's very, very concerning, if true. No, I, I would agree with that. Um, I would also say, I mean, yeah, as, as you pointed out, they've been they've been indicted. This hasn't gone to trial. This would likely not be able to go to trial because these are members of the the the, the Chinese military, and we don't have jurisdiction. And there would be absolutely no reason to believe that China would turn 
um, any of their people over um, to us. Uh, right. So far, the New York Times reporting also is saying that there's no evidence that the uh, you know the, the Chinese government was uh, was using any of this information. Um, but to your point, I mean, yeah, this would become a very interesting question about whether or not this was some sort of, you know, act of espionage or, 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 or act of war and, and if it could be treated that way. That bothers me, too, because um, if this is could then be used geopolitically uh, to, you know, um, further trade negotiations, for instance, right. which is not uh, at all a conspiracy theory or an un uh, – that's not a ridiculous thing to think about then that's very bothersome to think that that this impact, which could have, you know, this this crime, you know, this theft that had that impacts hundreds of millions of people, could be used as a cog in trying to get the best deal over trade. That's concerning, and and maybe I'm going like two steps too far in even thinking that way. But that I I think it's an utterly reasonable uh, thought process because I think that was the same concern we had during Huawei. So, um, you know, there is a reasonable question. And this pains me to say, Christina, this pains me. This pains me. But there are reasonable questions with this particular president where the Justice Department begins and where this president's agenda with trade ends. I, I just, I feel like it's working. I feel like there are questions if they are truly independent uh, branches of the government. Um, so I'm, I'm absolutely with you. I have just one final question, I guess, for uh, us people who are not part of like the Justice Department or anything like who don't have any insight into this. Is there any world in which even though there can't be a trial that could prove guilt, is there a world in which we would have insight to like the evidence and what actually happened? I think it's very unlikely. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think, Christina? I don't know. I mean, it really depends. Uh, presumably, yes, right? Presumably, if they want to put a case out, then they have this information. And uh, it really depends on, I guess, what part of the Department of Justice was doing this. Because I would actually be really interested in seeing how they were able to find this out. Because Yeah, I want to know cases. how they got to this place. Like, especially, like, saying this, making this so public. Um, I don't know. It... it and like you said, innocent until proven guilty. So having, I guess, these charges out there without seeing any of the mechanisms behind like what led to this um, accusation and with this being such a touchy, politically yeah. charged international topic, right. I don't know, it makes me nervous, it makes me nervous. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they're all, they're also trying to I think they've also said that they've also uh, tried to say that. Um, you know, the hacks that were into the the Starwood hotels with the Marriott hack and, and the Anthem databases were orchestrated by the same or related Chinese groups. Um, and so that becomes interesting, too. Right. At that point, then there there are a bunch of very open questions about yeah. what what the what the intents were and, and if this was some sort of state sponsored, you know, like like data, you know, attack. Uh, but, but, to, but to your point, I don't know if we can expect to see this information. Although I will say we have in some cases seen that the government, um, the department of justice can be very, very competent in their digital forensics. You know, Nick Bolton's book, um, uh, American Kingpin about the, the Silk Road case, um, that, that I know Brianna, you talked about it a, a couple of years oh, ago, it's but amazing. I, yeah. it's a fantastic book. But what I really took from that book was I had to begrudgingly kind of walk away with a much higher level of respect for different parts of law enforcement oh, because yeah. we've 
I've historically anyway been pretty critical of of their technical um, acumen, but in that case, it was actually shown that there were several parts that were incredibly, incredibly, incredibly uh, good at at what they do. So I'm yeah, not. I just I, I have to laugh, Christina, because any any week where. I'm talking to the FBI and there there are news stories about me talking to the FBI because of an active case. It's a bad week for me. <laughs> this is one of those weeks for me. And, no, totally. And and I I'm not and, I'm not I'm not trying, I'm not, I'm not trying to say is uh I've been really impressed with uh the FBI and how much they've uh how much they've improved in the last few years. Um you know, I spoke with them today and was really blown away with the technical acumen. So I want to be clear. I want to give them the benefit of the doubt on this. I just, um, I think reasonable people can have reasonable questions. All right, let's get into some desserts. We, we've all seen a movie. We've all seen a movie. It, this, this is, this is, this is a rocket miracle. And when did I, you I, get time to see a damn movie, Christina? On a okay. layover. <laughs> on a layover. I was going to say, I, I should deserve, I get extra points for this. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, while I was off the show being, you know, kidnapped because people didn't leave enough reviews. Thank you for leaving reviews, by oh, the yeah, way, because I'm back. Oh, yeah, we finally got her back. Whoop. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm back, right? <laughs> yep. Well, uh, I had like a five-hour uh, uh, layover um, in LAX before flying to Australia. And so rather than just hanging out in the lounge, um, my friend Jeremiah and I decided to go see Birds of Prey. So we like took an Uber from the airport to uh, the movie theater. We saw a movie at like a seven o'clock movie. We left as soon as it was over and um, went back to the airport, checked in, went through security, and then still had like 45 minutes to spend in the lounge before we boarded. So you are an American hero. (laughs) So I've seen it. I've seen Harley Quinn, uh, Birds of Prey, uh, which is the new title, uh, right? Because they've they've had to rename it so that we everyone needs to see it because it didn't. So Verge had a story about. Oh yeah, well we'll get to that. Verge had a story about this today. The 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 movie WB did not rename the movie, but movie theaters have renamed the movie Harley Quinn: Colon Birds of Prey for search optimization reasons. But yes, as Christina was saying, go ahead and continue with your message. I was going to say, go see the movie. Everybody please. on this show, please see the movie because this needs to be successful because I need more of this. I need to see the like the other two that they, you know, presumably want to make. And and this needs to make the money to do it. And look, I get it. Suicide Squad is one of the worst movies of all time. And this was like so fun. I love this. But all right. Now we can talk about it. Just in case you haven't figured it out, we're talking about Birds of Prey. <laughs> I don't think we said that we did. Look, we had a good first half of the podcast. Now you have to contend with chaos. Harley Quinn, Birds of Prey in theaters now. It is the, it's not a sequel to Suicide Squad, really. It's no, a it's spinoff not. movie about Harley Quinn. It is produced by Margot Robbie, directed by Catherine Yan, woman director, woman producer. And I woman writer. Written by a woman as well. Yep. Um, And it is so, don't let women deter you. You're listening to this podcast. It is so much gosh darn fun. It is like a colorful, rollicking, silly Hyper violent, um, hyper violent, good it, it, time it's, at the it's movies. Like, it's like it's like female Deadpool, but like yeah. okay, but you know how Deadpool still is ultimately like a good guy. Yeah, like Harley's not. You no, they are the villains, and like and 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 and, and they are like embracing that, and I love that. Like it's I love kind that. Of like uh, villain also, on villain violence. Completely, it's great, and 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 um, it is it is a hard R. The violence is cartoony, but they're I mean. I love me the F word. And so I was at home with this movie 
but I will just say this is a hard R. So if you want to take the kids. Don't take um, kids. Don't no, take I mean, kids. I would, I would think yeah. like, like, like 13, 14 is, is where I would like put the limit, right? Like, and even then just be aware that this is like, there are more F-bombs in this movie than a Tarantino film. All I'm saying. So, it's you know, like the be aware of that. It's like the movie opens up and, oh, she's feeding a hyena that dude's leg. I mean, it's I know, which is like great. really gory, right? Well, I didn't think I the gore was that bad. super gory, but there's certainly some, uh, the, the, there's some leg breaking. <laughs> there's some, you know, some bone crunch and violence. Yeah. Um, but yeah, some blued, a little bit of blued. Not like 300 level, probably. But. Oh, no, 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 no. I mean, it's cartoon violence. Uh, it is so cartoon. And, you know, I, I cartoon. that's almost one of the things, like, when we're talking about why it's not doing well in theaters, which comes down to so many factors. But one of the things that we've been kind of banning about is, could it have been more, could it have leaned more into that cartoonishness? Not with without losing, you know, the fact that it is a hard an R rated movie and that it's violent, but like leaning further into like a, a hell world of cartoonish violence. Well, I think this movie came out in January, and I think people like. Do you ever look at the movies that come out in January? Like the They're horror bad. movies right now are ass. I mean, January well, is typically... Well, this is like the dead yeah. zone. So this right. is certainly yeah. known as the dead zone. And so, yeah. you know, literally like this came out, you know, February. This came out right after the Oscars or right before the Oscars. So this is when you're out of award contention. Um, and so this is typically where they burn stuff off. That said, this is also usually an opportunity for films like this that we're not going to get, uh, you know, like a, a big summer tentpole or fall tentpole release uh, to sometimes do really well. And you can find films that can find their audience that way. So um, uh, there, uh, you know, I would have preferred a summer release for this. I think this deserved it. Uh, but I can understand why the Warner Brothers might not have had um, the the scheduling blocks that I don't know what the rest of, of their uh, well they have they have Wonder Woman right so that mm-hmm. that makes it hard right Wonder Woman's got to take precedence right like it just does so if you can't have Wonder Woman and this in the same summer that would be weird so unless you were to, willing to do a Joker like fall thing which this is a little bit light for I guess this is the only time they could kind of put this out, but uh, go see it. I really loved it. I, I I know you guys did too. Simone, you've been like all over Twitter mm-hmm. telling everybody about how much I've you loved it. I've been trying to do God's work out there. What, telling what, people the movie's favorite, great. Who, what, what's your favorite part? Who's your favorite character? Like without trying to get into spoilers. Harley Quinn is my favorite character. And yep. I think that one of the things about Margot Robbie and Susanna points this out in her review on Polygon. She has the same level of charisma that Harrison Ford in Indiana Jones has where totally like her facial expressions are, are totally on point. Like any situation, she's like having an interesting facial expression that is happening. And because she's Harley Quinn, like they're very over the top and cartoonish and, but it doesn't feel like forced or anything. Like she's totally inhabiting this character and is like clearly like vibing with her. Um, and she's like having the time of her life. Like, yeah, she's having so much fun. And that's, I think the other thing that I love about it is it's, you know, for all that we just talked about, like all the violence and stuff, it's about a bunch of women having a lot of fun fun. and Harley Quinn having a lot of fun. No, I loved it. That's why I, 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 I had the best time. And, and I actually, I will say, I mean, I saw a 7 PM show in Santa Monica and it was not a great movie theater. Um, but it was, it was pretty full. Um, and, that surprised me uh, because 
the theater was kind of like in a strip mall and there was a better movie theater like across the street <laughs> that we didn't go to for some reason. And um, everybody seemed to really have a good time. So I that's that was my biggest thing. I was like, this was really, really fun. Like the last time I remember having this much fun in a superhero film was the first Deadpool. And mm-hmm. and this had kind of that same, you know, has that same sort of sensibility uh, to it where it, it is very tongue in cheek. It is very self-aware, does the self-referential thing. You know, it, it's funny. You don't have to have seen Suicide Squad or, or even know anything about, you know, Harley Quinn or, or any of those characters, I think, to enjoy it. I, I just I thought it was a blast. I think what made this movie really good is there is a frenetic pacing to it that is just it's manic. I mean, it's almost like you have Harley Quinn's like kind of bipolarness with it because it just goes from completely bat crap off the wall to some really intense emotional moments. And it does have women all at the, the center of it. Though I think it's fair to critique it that uh, the group doesn't kind of come together until the end, uh, which I thought was a real... No, that's true. It's the third act. I would have liked to have seen more of that. But the way I saw that was that this was, in a lot of ways, kind of a setup for future films. Yep. I agree with Um, that. And so that's why, like, again, we implore you, Rocket listeners, you did it. You got me back on the show. You can do (laughs) this. You, you You can go see uh, Harley Quinn, Birds of Prey, as it is known, in theaters uh, to, um, to make sure that we get more of this. Cause I really liked all three of the, uh, the characters uh, the, in addition to Harley Quinn. And I would have liked to have seen more of them. We saw a, a few, we saw a bit more of, of some than others, but I would have liked to have seen more of that dynamic because the, the third act was just really fun. Yeah. Also, Ewan McGregor, Ewan McGregor was a good villain. Like I, oh, I enjoyed yeah. him quite a bit. I friggin' um Christmasina. <laughs> Christmasina, uh, who many yes. people might remember as the love interest on the Mindy Project. Other people might remember him as the detective on Sharp Objects. Anyone who's ever seen him might remember him as like a totally normal man who is somehow like exquisitely attractive and just totally. has charisma oozing out of every part of his body. He's in this. Um, and I liked what he was bringing to the table. <laughs> <laughs> he played. He plays one of the. He plays the villainous henchman to Ewan McGregor's Black Mask, and his performance should. If you know, if Suicide Squad can win an Oscar, this movie should too. Honestly, this movie probably. <laughs> if Suicide Squad can win for best makeup, this movie should too. It was dope. I agree. I mean, so, I mean, I do think that I, I've been thinking so much about this. Like, why is there such a percentage of the geek audience that is is clearly, uh, they just don't appreciate this work or they're outright hostile to it. And I just, I don't know if people can't handle seeing like women leading a comic book movie. Like they feel like I it's their space. Get it. I don't get I was know. talking to yeah. Susanna a bit about it because obviously women-led comic books are not abnormal. Harley right. Quinn w- has, you know, her own book. Poison Ivy, Wonder Woman has her own books. Um, and she had some... She said that you know, much like women-led superhero movies, those books do make less money than, like, your Batmans, your Supermans, obviously. Um, but, you know, there is... The, the contingent of the movie-going audience that isn't seeing this movie 
they're not reading the comics either. They don't read right. any comics, probably. Well, um, but it's well, kind of sad to me that movies are still in this particular way a, a behind what is normal for comic books. Yeah. Although I would say in this case, because I don't know how much of this is just the fact that it's like a female-led thing. I'm sure that that does play a role. But I think that, you know, Harley Quinn as a character is very popular. The books might not do as well. But if you look at like Batman, the animated series and things like that, like the Harley Quinn character is very popular. Uh, I think especially uh, amongst women, but I think amongst men too, right? Harley Quinn is Mm -hmm. a particularly popular character. In this case, and Margot Robbie is very popular, right? Like she, she she does very well with audiences. I, I genuinely think that in some ways, the some of the problem with this film is the fact that Suicide Squad was so bad and that that does have an impact on whether or not people are willing to give something a shot, right? Yeah. Like, if all you know about this is you haven't really been following a lot of it, you don't know how hard Margot Robbie worked to get it made, you don't know about the fact that it is, as you said, you know, a spinoff and not a sequel and that you don't see any of the, you know, you don't see Jared Leto, you don't have any of the other characters mentioned. It is, for all intents and purposes, its own film. Um, and and it doesn't have any of the, the same writers or directors of Suicide Squad. You would be forgiven for thinking, oh, this is just going to be kind of an extension of that, which was not a good film. And frankly, you know, Margot Robbie was the highlight of it, but wasn't given a whole lot to do other than kind of, you know, be the sidekick for Jared Leto's really bizarre, you know, Joker. I would, I don't necessarily, I wouldn't necessarily blame people who didn't know that from being like, eh, I'm going to wait for this to come out on Netflix, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, so part of me thinks that, obviously, I think that the the female aspect, I'm sure, is some of it. And part of me thinks that, unfortunately, this has been saddled with the reputation of the earlier film. Um, and I think this is a problem that, that uh, the DC, frankly, is going to have to contend with going forward because, you know, there's going to be another Suicide Squad that, that, um, What's his face um, is uh, is directing uh, the guy who did um, James um, Gunn. Uh, James Gunn, yeah, the James Gunn is directing, and uh, but you know they've moved into this era now where they're doing more standalone films rather than trying to do overarching, you know, everything interconnected, right? Which I think makes sense because uh, DC has been really, really bad about doing the interconnected world that Marvel has. But audiences, I think, who have been burned by DC a lot. I don't I I wouldn't blame people for being hesitant to go see another DC film when, you know, like Justice mm-hmm. League was so terrible and, and a, Suicide Squad was bad. I have a different bad. theory on this. Okay. Uh have you played Arkham Asylum in I the have. two sequels? I have. So I think that yeah, Harley Quinn is a very interesting character in that when she started off in Batman the animated series, right? Her costume is you know, it's it's a skin-tight, like, Harlequin suit. It's not particularly sexualized. And then as she got into the DC comics, she got hyper-sexualized. And you look at the way she's portrayed, particularly in Arkham Asylum, it's freaking embarrassing. I mean, it is stupid and tacky. I mean, it's softcore porn. And, you know, don't get me wrong, I love TNA and video games, but just, it the, it, it was a point where it's insulting. And I think that when I look at Harley Quinn, I see her as kind of a a female anti-hero heroine where she can go out and have these impulses that we really don't see in comic books, right? Like a woman having fun causing utter rampage. Uh, like, you know, just driving a, a, a chemical truck into a chemical factory and making it all blow up. 
that is something you don't really see women doing. And I think for some of the audience, when they see a Harley Quinn and they kind of um, make her outfit what Margot Robbie called less female, less male gazy, and they they make the 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 focus more on her character versus her body. I do think for some of the audience, it makes them kind of of tune out because that's what they've that's what they like about that character. And I I just I think it's frustrating because I want the audience to come along on this ride, and I just think some of the comic book audience isn't willing to do that. Hmm, that's sad. But yeah, I I feel like every everything that we're offering as a reason is probably at least a little bit true. But the big takeaway I think we should have from this is that everyone listening to this should go see Birds of Prey because it rocks. Yes, it's, it's very awesome. It's the only thing that we can do in this world. Christina, what are you doing this week? So I am currently in Sydney, Australia, and I will be doing Microsoft Ignite the Tour. If you happen to be here, um, rocket rules apply, obviously. And then I am um, going about my way of coming home. I was supposed to go to Singapore, but because of the coronavirus, the conference has been canceled. And so that's created really a ridiculous. Oh. Yeah. So that's created a ridiculous wrinkle in my travel. And I'm still trying to figure out how I can cancel flights and rearrange things to get home. Oh, no. So that, that, that's, that, that's my like next task if is like you figuring have out to how stay I get home. somewhere stay in australia because this time zone really rules for us <laughs> it really does it really it really is good stuff for us but this is why i was excited about going to singapore because it's only three hours behind so it still would have been really good oh man that's actually great um brianna what are you doing this week oh gosh um well i don't know if rocket listeners read the stories about me there's another one coming out tomorrow uh uh, I don't want to get into it on the show today. Um, I'm running for office. That's what I'm doing. Yay. I'm going on vacation next week, Yay. which I'm really looking forward to. So I'm not going to be on the show. This is going to be a vacation where I actually vacation, and I'm going to be in Florida, and I'm going to enjoy it before I come back to Massachusetts, and I have to go knock on enough houses to get uh, 2,500 signatures to get on the ballot. So uh, this is my last break for a long time. Oh, I hope you enjoy it. <laughs> um, what am I doing this week? I say this every week. I'm so sorry to everyone who has to interact with me. Um, I'm working on our show, our Quibi show. Oh my gosh. I'm writing things. I'm, I was showing I was showing everyone this on uh, on uh, WhatsApp. I've started to get a ton of uh, promoted content for that. If so. you're watching the Oscars, baby, you saw some Quibi yep. ads. Yeah, yep. so I'm I'm working on Polygon's show for for that platform. Nice. Yeah, and it's fun, and it's a lot of a lot of good hard work, which I enjoy having to do. So that sounded super <laughs> sarcastic, but I do like having like things to do. It makes me very happy and satisfied. Christina, where can we find you online? You can find me online at film underscore girl on the Twitters and the Instagrams. And uh, you can also find the videos that I do for work, including one that I just put up at youtube.com slash Microsoft developer. And uh, yeah. Yeah. Brianna, what about you? Uh, where can people find me online? That would be Brianna Wu on Twitter, developer Brianna Wu on Facebook. And if you want to support my congressional campaign, you can do that by going to supportbrianna.com. 
Awesome. You can find me on Twitter at Doom Quasar and at YouTube.com slash Polygon. And soon, coming in April, coming to a Quibi app near you, baby. Oh, I'm so excited. Ooh, yeah. I, I have to tell you, I did not realize this was going to be as big as it as it is. I'm super pumped Dude, for you. Dude, yeah, it's huge. In terms of, like, my job or in terms of, like, cultural attention? I, I think there are so – so we're just uh, just being completely honest right now. There was a joke on Saturday Night Live about the new Costco streaming app because everyone is coming out with a new streaming content service. And I was like, okay, another thing coming along. How good could this be? But no, the concept behind it is really good. It's got A-level talent. Um, I'm just – I'm We've got Zach Efron, baby. It. It Not on my show. Yeah. Zach Efron. He's out there. He's out there making quick bites. Someday – Hey, if you like this episode of Rocket, you can review it on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. And thanks so much to everyone who left reviews and got Christina back and gave us the really satisfying narrative payoff that we hoped for. Um, <laughs> she's so relieved to be back. Um, I'm so relieved. Christina, I'm speaking for you right now. Please give me a little <laughs> okay, space. I'm sorry. Uh, she is overwhelmed with emotion and gratitude for what you've done. So... Do you want to add anything, Christina? Well, I'm afraid to now. But <laughs> okay, I, I, that's I'm, good, I'm... as you should be. <laughs> Thank you. Leave the stars. This episode of Rocket is terminated. <laughs> terminated. 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 <laughs>